You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezras Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the teachings of Rav Yitzchak Meir Morgenstern Shlita. And like we've been doing throughout the series so far, we're going to be building off of the discussion that we had last week, which was built off of the preceding weeks. Last week, we spoke about how ta'anug tamidi eno ta'anug, how perpetual pleasure loses its sense of pleasure, because when something becomes monolithic and the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, without any miniot or any preventions, after a while it takes out the experience of forcing oneself to break through the darkness, which provides with that sense of novelty, of finding HaKadosh Baruch Hu even within the darkness. So because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bestow the greatest form of goodness on his creatures, it means that there has to be a continued sense of tainug. But we face the problem that the continued sense of tainug loses the sense of tainug. It's no longer called pleasurable. And therefore, what Avichemeyer Morgenstern describes is this concept that the Baal Shem Tov brings into play, which is tainug t'mide eno tainug. That perpetual pleasure is not pleasure, and therefore what we need to do is we need to be able to elevate the state of non-pleasure, the state of struggle, the state of difficulty, which is so often associated with the realm of bina and separation. And we need to take that and bring it with us into the space of Ta'anug, into that place of Chachma, into that place where all is nullified in the grandiose light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it was prior to the creation of the world. And by aligning these two paradoxical modes of the Ta'anug Tamidi, of the perpetual pleasure associated with Chachma, and the lack of pleasure associated with bina, we take the two of those experiences, we hold them simultaneously in the paradoxical way where even when we're not in pleasure, even when we experience the pain of the absence of pleasure, where a person is forlorn within themselves, no longer believing in the capacity to experience the level of Chachma, which means that they're stuck in the space of Bina, at the level of Keser, even the experience of Bina, even the opposite of pleasure becomes pleasurable. It's not that the lack of pleasure gives pleasure, because that would just be reverting back to Chachma, as we said, which loses its shame of pleasure. But rather, the lack of pleasure itself becomes a fundamental mode of experience through which we're capable of engaging this world that God has created by being mitmoded, by facing the fact that living in this world very often means confronting the states of non-pleasure. And when the states of non-pleasure become pleasurable in that sense as well, so then we have doubled our experience. Not only are we serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the pleasure of Chachma, with the pleasure of nothingness and ego nullification, but we're also serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the vessels of limitation so often associated with somethingness or the limited space of Bina. 
Now, the question that we wanted to ask is what happens when a person reaches that place of Kesser? What happens when a person finally reaches that apex, finally reaches that space where everything is okay, where the Bina and the Chachma, the Yesh and the Ain, the ego and the nullification of ego, both join together to serve this more powerful mode of experience, what happens when a person reaches that place of Kesser? Or like we described in the second shear, which was the, the third shear, I'm sorry, which was a description of how this process plays out vis-a-vis -vis the purpose of creation. If the purpose of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was to disclose himself from a state of Ein Sof, from a state of the infinite, and to descend into a space of limitation, into Sofiyut, into constriction and difficulty, for the sole purpose of taking that difficulty and taking that bina and taking that space of limitation and elevating it back up to the space of the unity of God so that we show that we can bring this additional adornment, this toisefet kishut, and that in theory the purpose of the creation of the world is for the infinite to descend into finite and so that we can take the finite and elevate it back up to the infinite, thereby showing that the infinite is so much greater and that there's an additional adornment. So whether you're looking at it in the ontological mode through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world as we discussed in the third year, or whether you're looking at this process as we discussed on the psychological experience of an individual as we discussed in the fourth year last week, the question remains the same. Once we've gone through this process, once the infinite and the unlimited has descended into the finite and the limited, once light has descended into darkness, once pleasure has descended into non-pleasure, so that we can take it and elevate it back up to its original space, thereby multiplying and potentiating and allowing the unity of light to grow double, because now we see that the light is not only apparent in the light, but it's also apparent in the darkness. So what happens when we reach that place of Kesser? What happens when we reach that paradoxical space where Ain and Yesh, where something and nothing, dance together? Do we say that we've reached the tachlis of creation? Do we say that we've finally grasped exactly what God wanted out of us in this world? Do we say that we have completed our mission of what it means to be human beings on this world? And this is what I want to discuss tonight. In this week's shear, what we're going to see is the shock absorber, for lack of a better term, this linchpin that holds the entire system of Ravichemeyer Morgenstern's Kabbalah together is the concept of Leis Machshavat Visa Beklau, what the Zohar describes as the utter impossibility of a human being to ever grasp the essence, which is the title of this week's shir. Now, this is something that, honestly, we've discussed in the shir on Rav Kook, and we've discussed in the shir on the Leshem, and we've discussed in the shir on Ishbitz as well, and we've discussed in the shir on the Sphero, that one of the primary truths that Kabbalah, or not only Kabbalah, but Jewish Machshava and, and Torah has brought into the world, is the emphasis on the fact that no matter how far along the ladder of spirituality we raise ourselves, no matter how far we elevate ourselves from the mundane reality of this world back up to the Kedusha of the higher realms, no matter how holy we may be, we will never be fully capable of grasping the essence of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. And because this concept of grasping the essence of God, and I almost need to put it in scare quotes, because quite frankly, 
even to understand what it might mean to grasp the quote-unquote essence of God, Kavyachol, is already a paradoxical conception. But nevertheless, there has been a trend within certain thinkers or certain pathways within interpreting Kabbalah and Hasidus that have claimed that towards the end of days, towards the end of time, there will be a revelation of the etzem, that there will be a disclosure of essence, so that it is theoretically possible for an individual to truly connect, to truly cleave, to truly have a full unity with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what Rav Shemayar comes to show in countless places is that not only is that an impossibility, but it's almost usher to say. And anytime he speaks about this conception that a person might be able to grasp the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whatever that might mean, he adds to it a chas v'shalom, implying that not only is this a philosophical and spiritual impossibility, but there's almost a negative conception involved in that. That to claim that a person can have a full union with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to claim that a person can come to a place in the mind's eye or through the speculation or contemplation of the mind, to the essence of what God is, would on a certain level collapse the entire system that Kabbalah and Hasidus and Machshava has come to set up. And for Avichemayr, this concept of Leis Machshava Tfisa Beklal, the ultimate fact that no matter how far we go along in the rungs of spiritual development, we will always already remain at a distance from the essence of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is clear to him from the writings of all of the Mekubalim. Whether it's from the writings of the Ramchal, or from the Rashash, or from the Vilna Gon, or from the Baal Shem Tov and his students, one of the clearest descriptions about the entrance into the possibility of talking about God is that this concept of Or Ein Sof, this concept of the light of the infinite that emerged prior to creation, saturating the worlds, so that in order to create the world, there had to be a tzimtzum, a contraction of that divine light, that light of the infinite. What the Leshem says, and very often he uses Rav Shlomo Yashiv, the Leshem, what, what Rav Itchemeyer says, very often quoting the Leshem, is that even this concept of Ein Sof, even this concept of the infinite, the loftiest concept that we can conceive of in terms of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu has revealed himself to us, is always already a revelation is always already something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has revealed from himself so that human beings can understand it. So that at the origin of creation, God, Kav Yachol, did not reveal his full self in whatever sense that might mean something, but rather the highest and loftiest conception of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we can conceive of, especially through the writings of the Kabbalah, is this concept of Or Ein Sof, is the concept of the infinite light, which as the Leshem writes and Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern quotes so often, is already a Giloi, is already a revelation. Which means to say that even if we were to break through the barrier, even if we were to shatter that ceiling that the Mikubalim and the Bali Hasidus have placed within the mind of the individual, claiming that Leis Machshava Tvisa Beklav, that the mind is incapable of grasping the true essence of the infinite, even if theoretically we were able to burst through that ceiling and that limit, that mesach, that partition that is spread within the mind, even if we were capable of shattering it and breaking through to the other side, even when we came to that origin, we would come to realize that that origin is still simply a revelation. 
And that while it might look like the ceiling, while it might look like the loftiest place in the order of Hishtalshalus that we're ever capable of discerning within our minds, what a person would be forced to recognize immediately is that even this ceiling is nothing but the bottom of a level that's higher to me. Because no matter how lofty the individual can come in their spiritual quest, it is axiomatic to Judaism that kedushasi l'malem that at the end of the day, the holiness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the transcendence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the inconceivable unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu prior to the creation of the world, which exists at every moment, past, present, and future without the discernment of temporal fragmentation, is so far beyond the confines of human understanding that the apex of Jewish thought is only the ability to come to the first revelation from that space. There is never a claim, never a claim that a person can come and grasp the true nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, one of the reasons that Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern points out so often, and this is echoed in the name of the Rambam as well through his negative theological stance, which says that when it comes to the essence of God, the best that we can possibly do is speak by way of negation, is talk about what is not true by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because postulating any positive identifying markers of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu b'chvodo uva'atzmo chas v'shalom might mean is already placing limitation about what HaKadosh Baruch Hu might be. And therefore the Rambam says, and the Mekubalim and the Leshem says this beferish, the Leshem says that the Rambam is entirely correct prior to the Tzimtzum. Because nobody understood as well as the Rambam that it is utterly impossible to come to any full grasp of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu might be, what the true infinite creator without origin and without end might be. And therefore, the only thing that we can do is speak it away. The only thing that we can do is speak by way of negation. But the Rambam is not enough. What Kabbalah comes to show us, and what Ravitch Meyer Morgenstern cries so often throughout his writings, and if anybody saw this week's Nishmas and Chadatim, the weekly email that came out from the Machon of Torah Tchacham. So every week there's a new gift that emerges to the point that, like I said in the beginning of this series of Shirim, we're dealing with already 25,000 plus pages of written Torah. And that number keeps growing because every week there's a mimer, there's a PDF that comes out, which is 50 to 70 pages long. And there was a remarkable addition. There were two remarkable additions, actually. One of the remarkable additions was the Shirim on the Sefer of Torah Tchacham. The Sefer of Chaim de la Rosa, the, the book that Ravichemeyer Morgenstern named his base medrash after, which, like we said, is one of the most complex and difficult and terse and almost impossibly dense svarim that is in our libraries. And what Ravichemeyer Morgenstern has come to do is show how not only is the Sefer understandable, not only are the teachings of Rav Chaim de la Rosa, the Taman Mufak of the Rashash and Rav Shalom Sharabi understandable, but they also align themselves directly with the depths of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. To the extent that what Rav Meyer has done, and this is going to be the topic of another shir, is to show how the prate pratim of Kabbalah, the particulars and the particulars of the particulars of the system of the Arizal as it's interpreted through the Rashash and his students, allow for us to disclose the light of the Baal Shem Tov in an infinitely more potent way. 
because like Rav Meyer says so often, the tafless of limud of razin da oraisa, of the secrets of Torah, is to go through the osios of Kabbalah, is to go through the particularities and all of the separateness that seems to emerge out of the base medrash of the Svartic Mikubalim, who seem to approach Kabbalah like the Meforshim and the Achroinim and the Lumdus of the Meforshe Chazal, that the purpose is to see how they shatter the concept of wholeness into a million little pieces, then allowing each of those little pieces through the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov to reveal themselves to be wholes to show, as we're going to see in a future shear, that the part, the prat, and the klal, or the fragment and the whole, are identical to one another. Nevertheless, aside from this addition that Rav Meyer added to this week's Torah portion that was sent out, which was shir mantaras chacham, there was a, a bracha, there was a moda'a sent out about a machon called dorshe yehudcha, the seekers of unity, because they're now publishing the writings of Rav Aharon Halevi. Now, Rav Aaron Halevi, one of the Talmidi Mufakim of the Balatanya, who had machlokas on a certain level, a spiritual machlokas and a practical machlokas with the Mitla Rebbe, with the Admor HaEmtsai. And Rav Aaron Halevi, it's, it's abundantly clear to anyone who's entered into the world of Rav Ichimaya Morgenstern that Rav Aaron Halevi from Sterilist becomes one of the crowning jewels in the system of Rav Ichimaya. Now, I know that we've said that about the Rebbe Rashab. I know that we've said that about the Rashash and the Torah Tchacham and the Leshem. But like we said at the beginning, for Avichemeyer, he's capable of looking at all of these particularized based Midrashim and showing how they're all saying the same thing. Now, of Aaron Alevi in his writings on Share Yichod Ve'emuna, or Share Avoida, or Avoidas Halevi, and in particular the Share Yichod Ve'emuna, so Avichemeyer has been crying and trying for people to learn these Svarim. And his Talmud Mufak Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld wrote a Gavadika Maimer in the back of his Sefer Yerucham Hashemesh called Lahagid Shivcho Shel Aharon to proclaim the praise of Aharon, which is basically a textual recording of a Maimer that Ravich Meyer had given over a period of time about the purpose of Ravaran Halevi, the Machlokas that Ravaran Halevi had with the Mitla Rebbe, and the Chiddush of Ravaran Halevi in terms of revealing to us that. It's only by way of distinction, it's only by way of darkness that a person can come to unity. Nevertheless, what Rav writes in this three-page bracha is a re-emphasis, and it was almost siyata deshmaya for me to see this, to concretize my ideas for this week's year, because when Rav is talking about the greatness of the writings of Avaran Halevi, he also seems to be speaking a very deep cloud that a person needs when they approach the writings of Rav Aaron Halevi, which is really true when the person approaches any of the Svarim of Kabbalah. That when you look at the writings of Aaron Halevi and when you look at the writings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the seven generations of Chabad in particular, a person will see the word Atzmus very often. A person is going to see this sense that in the future there will be a revelation of the fullness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or Kavyachol, there will be a full grasp of the essence of God almost as if God has nothing left to offer because we have grasped everything that there is to grasp, implying that it's only the limitation of exile or only the limitation of temporality and time and being stuck in zmaniyut and separation and distinction, which prevents us from understanding the true nature of God or the true essence of God. 
And so when a person learns these writings, there's a chashash, there's a, there's a worry that a person may feel that when they talk about etzem, when they talk about the essence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that they've come to grasp the full expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, as if there's no more distance between creator and creation because creation has, God forbid, elevated itself up to a space of creator. And so Rav Itchemeyer in this bracha speaks that away so emphatically and so powerfully. And there's a 30-page mimer in Yama Chachma Tavshin Ayin Test called Leitz Machshava Tvisa Beklal, which stresses this in even more severity, which is that even when Sifre Chasidus speak about Atzmusa Yisbarach, speak about the essence of God, or grasping the essence, or the essence being revealed, or a full revelation, or that the mask and the veil will be revealed and there will be a full disclosure of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world, Ravitch Meyer forces us to remember every second of the way that that is never truly a full expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because there will always already be an infinitely and infinitesimally large distance separating the human being, the, the Jewish individual, from the true essence of God. Because to claim otherwise would be chas v'shalom to run the risk of idolatry, as we're going to speak about in a second. And in this six-page bracha, or this three-page bracha that came out in this week's email, which I'll post afterwards, there's an emphasis that no matter where you look, whether it's in the writings of the Balhatanya or the Mitla Rebbe, or the Semach Sedek, or the Maharash, or the Rebbe Rashab, or the Fridika Rebbe, or the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that any time these tzaddikim speak about etzem, when they speak about essence, it's never the essential nature of God, chas v'shalom, but rather it's the shmo ha'atzmi. It's the essential name of God. And that the truest and fullest revelation that we can ever grasp as human beings is the fullest name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because the name is always one step removed from the essence. And now... I want to pause here because next week we're going to show how in spite of the fact that we can never truly reach the full essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nevertheless, we have a way of touching that infinite essence in a paradoxical secret of Amuna. So what I'm saying now is not to God forbid to claim that we don't have access, that a person doesn't have a relationship with the true nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The simple postulation of this shir is that there can never be a grasp of the full essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we're going to see in next week's shir, which is going to be titled Mediated Immediacy, which is based on the cloud that Ravichemeyer brings down so often, which is that we have to reach a love, we have to reach directly to a Baruch Hu but the only way to do that is through Midosav. So based on a reading of a medrash that Ravichemeyer places at the crown of his system, the true nature of Jewish faith, of Raza Nusa, is a love, a direct connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the derech midosav, through the separation, through the mediation of the midos and the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has disclosed himself. So that by no means is this year meant to, God forbid, remove even for one iota of a second, the concept that we have a direct relationship with God. The chvodo ba'atzmo. And that when we daven, we're davening directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the truest form. But what Rav Itchemeyer is coming to tell us is that when we speak about contemplation, when we speak about God himself, we are never talking about the true essence of God. We are never talking about the true infinite nature because even beginning to speak on that level is already placing a limitation. 
is already placing some sort of measurement or distinction to that infinitude, to that true nature of essence, Kavyachol, that shatters all possibility of distinction. Now, one of the problems for Ravichemeyer and for most of the Mikubalim, which Ravichemeyer is simply codifying the teachings of the Mikubalim and placing them into an organized system, is that to claim that a person can have a full grasp of the essence, to claim that a person can reach a level of Avoida Sashem, where they feel things are complete, that their job is complete and that their grasp is complete, would mean that we can then apply very particular distinctions to the concept of God. Because if words can capture it, if the mind can capture it in any form of spiritual conjecture, that means that it is graspable by human limitation. And by imposing limits to God, what we've already done is we've taken away that infinitude. We've taken away the true aspect of the fact that it can never truly be grasped. So Ravitchemeyer wants to be very certain that when a person learns Sifre Chasidus, in particular when a person learns the seventh generation of Lubavitcher Rebbe. Now in this Maimur Leist Machshavat Visa Beklal, in Tavshin Ayintes, what Ravitchemeyer does is he shows really specifically through the previous Mikubalim, in particular the Ramami Panel, and also implicit in the writings of the Arizal and the students of the Arizal. But Ravitchemeyer clearly wants to show, even from the sources themselves that speak about Atzmos, that speak about the conception of grasping the essence of God, Ravitchemeyer uses his genius level of Bakiyas to show that any time that you see the word Etzim or Atzmos or the capacity of disclosing the true nature of God in this world based on sources in the writings of Chabad or in Hasidus, there's another source that speaks away that possibility. And Ravichemeyer shows through multiple ways, through the writings of the Rabbi Rashab, and in particular the writings of the Tzemach Tzedek, who, like we said, was capable of engaging the previous Mikubalim in a way that continued to be Hasidus, but showed that Kabbalah speaks through Hasidus. Ravichemeyer Morgenstern shows that any time these Tzadikim speak about Etzem, speak about essence, nevertheless, what they mean by essence is that it's Shmo Ha'atzmi, the essential name, which is always one step removed from the essence of what a Kaddish Baruch Hu might be. A glaring lack or a glaring deficiency in this mimer are the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Because it's arguable and almost clear from somebody who learns the Ma'amarim of the seventh Rebbe of Lubavitch, Skusiyaganaleinu, that he, more than any predecessor, now while he's basing himself on every generation that preceded him, the Rebbe spoke more about the revelation of Etzem, because the Rebbe felt that he was closer to the time of this revelation more than any of the tzaddikim who preceded him. And it's arguable to claim, and I've had this discussion with multiple people who I struggle with sometimes, because for me, the crowning conception is that a person can never truly reach the goal. A person can never truly reach perfection. And that as human beings, we're always perpetually lacking. So for the Lubavitcher Rebbe to come along and claim that there can be a space where a person finally grasps perfection, to me is almost pushing away the entire edifice of Kabbalah and Machshava. But nevertheless, in spite of the fact that Ravitchemeyer doesn't talk about the Rebbe in this entire Mimer, there's a footnote that comes along at the end of it. This is going to be on page... Elef Shin Chaf and Elef Shin Chaf Aleph. 
1320 and 1321 in Yam And he has a, an entire lengthy footnote, which is clearly simply to show that he can prove this from within the writings of the Rebbe as well. That even when you look at the writings of the Rebbe, even when you're discussing that person, that tzaddik who went as far as they possibly could in allowing us to come closest to touching the essence of God, so to speak, to the point that there would have been nothing left for us to try and penetrate, to disclose for ourselves. At the end of the day, Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern shows through his own bikiyos of all of the different multifarious writings of the Rebbe, that even there in that space, it's very clear that etzem is off limits that any time a Jew feels that they're at the limit, that they're at the top, what happens is that there's a revelation, there's an immediate flip which shows us that we're at the bottom of the next level. And this is the next point that I would like to make. The next point that I would like to make is how this fits in with Rav system. Because like we said in the past two weeks shear, once a person descends away from unity, when we leave that space of Chachma, and we descend into the space of Bina, only for the fact of leaving Bina and elevating ourselves back to Kesser to show that Ein and Anni, somethingness and nothingness, Ein and Yesh dance together so that a person feels that they've reached the apex, that they've reached the limit. For Avichemeyer, that limit, that highest level, is simply the revelation and the opening of an infinitely larger new level. That any time a person hits the top of the process and avoids Hashem, any time a person has taken the separation of their existence in a particular moment and raised it back up to a Kaddish Baruch Hu and said, Here Hashem, here I am with all of the darkness that you threw me into. Here I am with all of the limitation you've thrown me into. And not only did I contain my Amuna in it, but I also found Tainug within the opposite of Tainug. And now I've reached the level of Keser. What opens up in front of the person, like we spoke about in the last year of Malchus on the Ten Sviros, is that Kesser is simply the Malchus of the higher level. That the, lowest le- the highest level of the lower level is the lowest level of a higher level. That the ceiling of the lower floor is the floor of the higher floor. So that any time I reach the top, what I come to recognize is that there's an infinitely larger space for me to proceed. And that any time I feel that I have accomplished something, it can be revealed to me that, yes, while I've accomplished a certain level, according to the new level that I stand at, I am infinitely removed from the goal. And this is how Ravit Shemaya really ensures that Avedas Hashem becomes an infinite process and that a person can never truly claim to themselves that I have reached the tachlis, that I've reached the goal. Because any time we reach a tachlis, any time we feel we've come to essence, What's revealed is that our grasp has only been a symptom. Our grasp is only of limitation. And what Ravitchmeyer bases this on profoundly is the teachings of the Rashash. Because one of the Iker Chidushim of the Rashash, one of the novelties that the Rashash brought to the table in Kabbalah is the concept of Erchin, of relativity. And basically, because this would take weeks for us to properly describe, and Bezra Hashem, Hashem should be with us, we should be able to continue teaching the words of Ravitchemeyer, and we should be able to teach the words of the Rashash. And as I dive in, I want to take a, a moment to pause, because what I forgot to announce at the beginning, which is a little bit troubling to me, is the fact that everything we're saying tonight, 
everything that is coming out of my mouth about what Rav Ichimaya Morgenstern is trying to teach and what Rav Ichimaya Morgenstern has come to the world to show and what Rav Ichimaya Morgenstern's writings are showing are all my humble opinion. And any mistakes and any conflict or any confusion that emerges out of my description of what Rav Ichimaya is saying is to be rooted in my limited understanding and my narishkeit and not, God forbid, to be rooted in the writings of Rav Ichimaya and his students and Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld and Rav Akiva, his student, but rather to be placed at my feet. Moving forward. What Rav Ichimaya bases this conception of infinite avoidus Hashem on, which tells us that even when we come to the limit, even when we come to the apex, even when we reach a place of keser, we nevertheless are forced to recognize that we're still at the bottom of the next level, is the concept that the Rashash describes, or of Shalom Sharabi describes in Hakdamas Rechov Asanar as Erche HaKinuyim. And what Erche HaKinuyim basically means, what the relative orientation of looking at how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world means, is that everything can be looked at from multiple perspectives. So for example, when a person looks at themselves as whole, when a person looks at themselves as having reached the apex of their avoda, if I'm comparing myself to people who are lower than me, if I'm comparing myself to conceptions of myself that are lower than me, to parts of myself that I've left in the past, so then yes, on a certain level, I've, re I've reached perfection. On a certain level, I've reached the apex of what I can reach. But when I look at myself vis-a-vis -vis those who are higher than me, or when I look at myself vis-a-vis -vis my potential of what I can be, the state that I'm in at this moment is revealed to be deficient, is revealed to be lacking. So that from one perspective vis-a-vis -vis that which is lower than me, I am full in all manners of fullness, a shleimus, shleis, shleimus, acharav, a wholeness that you cannot add upon, and that I'm filled with Yud Sliros of the seven Midos of myself and the Gimel Ration and those conscious forms of awareness of God, and I'm not lacking anything, when I look at the level that is above me, I immediately come to realize that I'm deficient, that I'm lacking something, that I'm imperfect, and that that fullness that I felt was really only in relation to that which was lower than me. But in truth, in relation to that which is higher than me, I still have to bring down light into myself to make myself whole. So that according to Klaleha Erchen, according to the theory of relativity or relative orientation that the Rashash teaches us and that Ravitchemeyer places at the crown of his system based on the writings of his Rebbe, Rav Moshe Shachlita, any experience that I have, any moment that I find myself on the rung of Avodah Hashem can be seen and the most important point of this is that it's simultaneously from two different perspectives. If I look at myself from the perspective of where I came from, so then I look at myself as perfect and shalim. But if I look at myself in the perspective of where I'm going, so then I recognize that I'm deficient and chaser. So that anytime you look at something, it can be viewed from the dual perspective of shleimus and chisaron, of gvul and bilti gvul of being whole and not whole at once. And so that even when I reach an apex, even when I come to find that I've reached the ceiling, what I'm forced to recognize is that vis-a-vis -vis the levels that are above me, 
I'm still deficient and there's still an infinite level of me to grow in order for me to come to a higher awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And even when I reach the apex of that level, I come to realize that it opens up to another level, infinitely. And the reason that this process remains infinite is because what we're talking about is Ein Sof. What we're talking about is our relationship with God. That no matter where a person finds themselves on the rung of spiritual activity, the fundamental and ontological and axiomatic truth will always remain that there will be an infinitesimal distance between human creatures and God the Creator. And no matter how infinitesimal that distance might be, it discloses and it bespeaks the infinite distance between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Leshem Shov Achaloyma describes this, and Rav brings this down as well in the name of the Leshem in a very powerful way. This lack, this sense of distance that will always remain between the individual and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not because of deviancy. It's not because we're not good enough. It's not because we haven't studied enough or worked enough. But rather it is built into the structure of reality. The world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created for us, one of the fundamental truths and laws of this world is that the human being can never truly grasp the infinite. Because when we look at the paradigm of the individual who couldn't grasp the infinite, it's Moshe Rabbeinu, the biggest tzaddik to ever have lived. And Rav has another mimer in Tavshin Ayin Tess called Mahu, Mashmo, where he discusses whether Mashiach is bigger than Moshe or Moshe is bigger than Mashiach. But either way you splice it, it's true that no human being will ever be capable of laying claim to the true essence of God, God forbid, as if there is no longer any room to grow. And so the Leshem and Rav point out that it's clear that this is not because of deviant behavior. This is not because of the fallibility of man or some failure, but rather it's ontological. That the lack that exists within our neshamos is not because of some mistake that we made, but it's rather there because that is the truest nature of our neshama. And in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, the, the Rebbe of Baruch teaches this as well, that Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu was gifted nun sharebina chaser achas the 50 gates of understanding lacking one. And the way that the Baal Shem Tov describes this is that when a person comes to the 49th gate of wisdom, of understanding, what they realize is that there's another 49 gates. That when I reach the level of Keser, when I reach the level of perfection vis-a-vis my lower level, I come to find that relative to that which is above me, I'm still at the opening and that there's an infinite level of growth that I can have. And what I wanted to say once was that this is clear in the Lashon of Chazal as well. Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu received the 50 gates of wisdom, 50 gates of understanding, chaser achas, lacking one. The typical way of reading this Gemara is that Moshe Rabbeinu only received 49. But when you look at the Lashon of Chazal, it says that he received 50 chaser achas, lacking one, which really means that Moshe Rabbeinu truly grasped all 50 gates, but the 50th gate, the Nun Shar of Bina, that level of Keser, is the revelation of Chaser Achas, is the disclosure that we will always, always already be lacking one, that no matter how high we've gone along the rung of spiritual activity, no matter how lofty we've pushed ourselves, we will always be infinitely distant from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I believe the reason for this is as follows. 
The reason is because, as we said in the second and the first year of Avichamayar's teachings, the Ikkar is Amuna. The fullest expression of the Neshama in this world is to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu a little bit more. And if there was a possibility of full knowledge of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if there was the possibility of full grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whatever that might mean, so that would mean that there would be a place that a person can reach where there would be no longer a necessity for Amuna, because everything would be as clear as day. And Amuna is only found in darkness. Amuna is only found by Amunas Chabalelos. And therefore, what Rav Ichimayr is doing, and it's so remarkable, it's so remarkable because in spite of all of the chaos and the tohu that is so often associated with the avoida of what a person sees in that base medrash of Ravichamayr, nevertheless, the precision with which Ravichamayr discloses these teachings is so delicate that Ravichamayr is simultaneously saying that you can reach a limit, but you must always recognize that when you reach that limit, you're only at the burgeoning space, at the birthplace of an infinitely larger level of growth. And that Ravichamayr will never allow somebody who learns his teachings to fall into the trap of Hagshama, God forbid, to fall into the trap of Avodah to fall into the trap of conceiving of some sort of definitions that can be applied to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Rav Shemayar is always forcing the individual when they read his writings to confront the fact that no matter how clear things have become, there's always a depth of Amuna that is standing at the ready to be revealed. And so to come back to the original question that we started with, the question of what happens when a person reaches that level of Kesser, what happens when a person reaches that apex where they now have that unity of Tainug and the opposite of Tainug, or where Chachma and Bina are unified in their dance to disclose a higher level of Kesser? What happens? Are we done? But what Ravichamayr says very clearly is that no, a person is never done. Even with the coming of Mashiach, a person is not done. Even with the full culmination of the process of existence, a person is not done. Because like the Rashash tells us, that even when existence elevates itself back up to its source, that is simply one movement closer to the infinite God. That no matter how long history is expressed as, and the opposite of history, and the end of history, there will always be a distance between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael. But it's specifically that distance which allows us to touch the deepest essence, which is Amuna. And what we're going to talk about next week, Bezra Hashem, is how this Raza de Mehem Nusa, how the secret of faith, how on the one hand this necessary distance between creatures and creator, because of Kiddushasi Lamalami Kiddushasechem, that my holiness will always inevitably be higher than your holiness, no matter how high you've climbed the rung of spirituality. Ultimately, the secret of Jewish faith that Raza de Mehem Nusa is that in spite of the infinite distance, in spite of the fact that we can never bridge the gap separating human beings from God, we still are blessed with the powerful, paradoxical, and impossible ability to reach out to the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in spite of the fact that we can never touch it. That while we are not capable of reaching it b'machshava, because leis machshava tvisa beklal, we are capable of experiencing it on the level of re'usa deliba, on the desire of the heart. 
that there's an oft quote in Zohar, which is not in the Zohar, and Rabbi Shemayar points this out, that it's from a medrash quoted in the Rebbe Rashab, and the Balatanya brings it down as well, that leis machshava tvisa beklal, that no mind, no thought can grasp it, as Rabbi Nachman describes so poignantly in the first teaching in Sichos Haran, nevertheless, tafis biruusa deliba, it can be grasped in the murmurings and the desires of the heart. And that's what we're going to be discussing next week, Bezra Hashem. How it is that it's specifically through the midos, through limitation, through mediation, through the concept that we can never truly reach God, that we paradoxically reach beyond the limit and touch God in a way that transcends the mind or transcends human consciousness. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.